Welcome to Definitely Maybe Agile, the podcast where Peter Madison and David Shurrock discuss the complexities of adopting new ways of working at scale. Hello and welcome to the next episode of uh, Definitely Maybe Agile. And uh, today we've got a, an extra special session with a, a guest star from Nada Behendi. And, uh, and we're going to be talking about getting great agile people. I'm quite looking forward to this. Uh, and of course, you've got Dave here as well. And uh, so let's get it started. Uh, so, so Nada, would you like to introduce yourself and uh, get us started? Sure. My name is Nada Bohendi. I'm an agile and technical career coach, and I love helping people land jobs that they're absolutely passionate about. And I've had over 15 years of experience uh, working in consulting and different agile roles, uh, whether it's through Deloitte, Accenture, and Slalom, and super happy to be here. Awesome. We're happy to have you. Yeah, it's great. It's so... Um... It's interesting as you're just describing that, because immediately that you start describing that, I'm just thinking of all the conversations I've had in organizations about the role of the scrum master or the role of the product owner. And I'm just intrigued from a, like, you do this for a living versus Peter and I, that we do talk about scrum masters and product owners, but there's normally other context in there. What are organizations looking for? What do you see? That is very interesting that you bring that up. And uh, when I'm helping people, it's mostly through the job seekers perspective. And this is a puzzle that we're constantly, constantly solving. As I've looked over 3,000 job postings in the past year, and I struggle to sometimes understand truly what it is the business problem that an organization is trying to solve when they hire people, because I tend to see laundry lists of uh, skills that they list rather than really trying to articulate what is the bleeding neck problem that they're trying to solve. And instead, they get into the how and list all the skills instead of focusing on the what. Can you give us some examples of some of the worst ones of those that you've seen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's Peter. Peter is always diving into that side of things. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Well, you know, when we look at Scrum Master roles, for example, that talk about how they're looking for someone to create reports and to do stand-ups and all kinds of things. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, first of all, you know, this kind of conflicts with, with, you know, a scrum master role. And second of all, do you, is it really that you need someone who will hold stand-ups for you and create reports instead of maybe articulating that you want someone that's going to increase your team cohesiveness, right? Yeah. So, so that's, I, I always struggle with it and it, it we'll, we'll talk about product owners in a, in a moment, but the more and more nowadays you see the agile project manager role where agile is kind of thrown into a traditional project manager job description. Um, most recently, I've seen a wonderful one where they just added one bullet that said uh, responsible for the happiness of the team added into an agile, a project management description. And, and of course, this is, this is so frustrating, not least because if you're that team, that's not really the way it's going to work. But also we're setting somebody up with expectations, which are wrong right they're walking in and they're honestly they're confused or conflicted because there's clearly an organizational requirement for visibility and transparency into what's going on for some sort of project management piece but then there's also this we've got to play some sort of checkbox side on the agile scrum master part how do you 
what do you see changing there or, or how do you kind of address that? How we address that is, you know, there are tells when it comes to looking for a fit from an organizational perspective. I tell my job seekers to do some research on the organization. There is that reality that job postings, the way they're written sometimes is they're written in a rush, they're copy and pasted. And not a lot of thought is put into it. So I tell my, um, you know, mentees to instead rely on organic conversations with organizations. Talk to people who work there, um, go to company events, look at their website, look at their case studies to really understand things better. Um, however, it's really a combination of my experience in the field that I fall back into in terms of what I've personally done, conversations that I constantly have with hiring managers in different organizations to get a gist of that. Um, but there are sometimes ways that you can tell that maybe this is not the right organization just based on the vibe that you get from the way the job posting is written. What happens once they get the job and they get inside of those organizations and they find that uh, it isn't quite what they expected or or even worse, if you're in the organization and you now get told, oh, you have a new job title, we're going to call you Grand Master of Scrumminess and we're going to have you look after this this group of people that we're, we're going to give some name which classifies them as a group who are going to work on things together. And, uh, and you're now going to go off and do those things. And maybe if you're lucky, we'll uh, give you some training or some coaching to go on the way. Uh, what what have you seen in organizations once that starts to happen in terms of investing and supporting them people through that journey? It's a very tough situation, right? Um, because the nature of agile and scrum master roles is that you're looked upon as a trusted advisor coming in to help the organization. And sometimes, you know, organizations are looking for that role to guide them and they're not even sure what it is that they're looking for. So it's a bit tricky in that sense. So the way I coach my clients is to take on more of an entrepreneurial stance when they go in, um, do their own research in terms of, you know, um, improving their coaching skills, improving their knowledge, you know, just like a doctor, you know, a patient goes to a doctor with a problem and they're expecting the doctor to figure out how to fix it patient doesn't tell the doctor what tools they need to use. So I coach my clients to be proactive. And you never know what to expect when you go into an organization. You never know what problems that, it, that you're going to face. Um, so you have to be ready to be flexible and to, and to approach it in a very agile way. I, I really like the, the way you're putting that, just because as, as you're describing that, what I'm thinking is... Um, Agile roles are, are different to the traditional roles that organizations have sought in the past. There's there's a lot of autonomy around whether it's a self-organizing team and how they deal with things, or whether it's a scrum master or coach or, or product owner, all of these different roles, DevOps roles, all of this, they're, they're titles that barely scratch the surface of what we're really trying to do. In an organization, you're trying to get problem solving becoming part of the DNA in, in many cases. I mean, that's a one way of thinking of agility. And so you can't go on titles and job descriptions. That's the beginning of the conversation 
rather than a box to be filled. Um, so I really, I mean, that entrepreneurial spirit, the, the, the kind of view of how to, how to go in and identify and solve problems rather than worrying too much about titles and job descriptions. Um, but perhaps recognizing, of course, there are many organizations that live and breathe the titles, job descriptions, roles and responsibilities piece. I mean, it's needed to sort of understand context. But we maybe have to go beyond that. I kind of like that idea. Yeah, we see this uh, piece. We were talking about that in the the run up when we were discussing what we would talk about today around the how do you support people in those roles and their growth and their growth in the organization um, if you're not treating them inside of that normal hierarchy then what are the right ways to go about ensuring that you're investing in the growth of your employees and supporting them through the the journey and ensuring that they have opportunities to learn and grow and improve in their in their chosen field or career now we've not talked about product ownership because we you know there's a there's that scrum master project management piece but product owners are i almost the most it has to be one of the most frustrating roles in larger organizations. If I have a single team and I'm the product owner and I'm working on a single product, that one's kind of straightforward. But what have you seen some of the challenges of understanding product management or product ownership and how to build careers in that area? Yeah. Um, product owners, I tend to say, are the closest to entrepreneurs and they tend to have a high need for freedom when they come into organizations. So when you are putting them in a box, that really, really makes it frustrating for them. Um, they definitely do not like to be micromanaged. Um, I had a little story with one of my clients who said to me that um, he was working at a large financial institution. He was extremely joyful in his role of being a product owner. He loved the ability to make decisions. Um, and he ended up leaving the entire profession to become an agile coach, which wasn't really something that, you know, aligned with him just because he was micromanaged and he was put in a box. So um, really giving people the space you know, to make decisions, giving them some freedom, not putting them in a box, allowing them to solve problems in a way that makes sense, um, and focusing more on being clear about what the problem it is that you're trying to solve rather than the how. That's what would make things successful. Um, so in terms of challenges, I would say is, um, yeah, going into solutioning mode. If we go into the you know, micro level of, of agility, right? When we're building a product, we often say that your user stories shouldn't be prescriptive. That's one of the most fundamental things that we talk about, because if you do that, you're limiting um, developers' creativity. So imagine someone who's a product manager, who's more of a leader, who's more of an entrepreneur, trying to build a product, trying to figure out the direction of the product. If you are fitting them in a box and you're telling them exactly how to do their job, what skills, what tools, and going into that granular level, then that's going to be extremely challenging for them. So I think one of the biggest thing really is the trust as well. And finding people who 
um, fit into the organizational culture. That's a nice transition into uh, the whole uh, shift in mindset that comes as you start to look at these changes in roles and how uh, the organizational uh, way of looking at uh, agile and at roles and pro- progression and growth needs to change. Uh, so, so what have you seen in that space? How organizations, uh, uh, how organizations' mindset needs to change. What sort of things have to occur, and what sort of indicators do you see in organizations? Yeah, there's a lot of talk right now around. And what I'm seeing is work-life balance and how work needs to be separate from, you know, our personal life. Um, I, but I see also like on LinkedIn, I even see that is there's a lot of personal stuff that's starting to appear as our lives are starting to blend because of COVID. And there's a lack of separation between work and life. And my opinion when it comes to that is I actually do take work personally. Um, I think that, um, in you know, when we look at our lives, there are multiple pillars. There's, you know, our finance, financial health, our physical health, um, our personal lives and our work. And if we invest too much time into any of these, you know, pillars, there is imbalance and there's codependency. So in any relationship, I feel there needs to be balance. Um, And we don't need to go into one extreme where we're saying that we need to completely separate our lives from our work, but there also needs to be an understanding that our professional life is is part of our identity. So when I look at organizations, I think of them as mini societies that are being created. And if you want to have a successful, healthy society, you need to invest in your core, the molecules that form that society, which is your employees, right? So their need, organizations need to take interest in the um, professional identity of their employees, their desires, their needs, and their wants in order for them to meet their organizational objectives. I, I find it interesting what you're saying there, Nada, because... Um... I think Agile and Scrum, Scrum is probably the the primary kind of role-defining framework out there, but there are obviously many. But what's interesting there is they have a tendency of flattening hierarchies and saying, for example, if you're um, a product manager or a business analyst or whatever, you know, this, that, and the other, if you're in the product ownership role, you're a product owner, squashing out that side. If you're a developer or a QA um, quality assurance engineer or um, an architect, when you're on the developer team, you're a developer. So we're squashing out those titles and those hierarchies and so on. And what you're just saying, that the interesting thing is that's exactly what we shouldn't be doing. Now, I want to treat the development team as a group of peers for sure, but there are people in that group for example, who have many, many years experience or are senior in whatever that role is that they do. And they need to have a career growth and a recognition of where that is, both within the organization as a senior member of a team, perhaps, even though that is a team of peers on the developer's side, or in the real world, back out, because if they, for whatever reason, move on, they need to be able to slot into the different career paths that are elsewhere. And I think that one's a really interesting one because I've been in an organization, I remember recently, where 
people were leaving Scrum Agile teams because they couldn't see where their career was going to go. They, they actually enjoyed being there. They got a lot out of the kind of problem-solving side and so on. But when they came out, like ultimately, as they looked ahead, they couldn't see what their career path was going to, to be. Peter, I don't know if you've seen similar things or have a different perspective. I've seen similar things. And uh, having been in a, an organization where there's this idea that we can uh, remove everybody's titles and we're, everybody's the same, and we're going to, which comes into this, it's, uh, it's almost this. At that point, then what is my growth path? Am I now just part of the Borg? Am I just now like another part of this, this creature without my own individual identity? And I think this perhaps ties back to what Nardo was saying there around acknowledging the individual identities and ensuring that you're providing those opportunities for people to be able to um, see how their role and their growth will come from this so there's value on both sides. So both the organization and the individuals are like, benefiting from this. Um, I, we're, we're unfortunately running out of time. I think we could talk about this for a, a very long time. And I was kind of wanting to think of the the going up higher up in the organization and uh, how this affects leaders and the change in mindset. And so perhaps we need to uh, have a, a follow-on conversation at some point. Uh, but as we as we start to wrap this up, I was wondering, are there any particular references that uh, that you would provide to say, hey, go read this or look here for more information about this topic? Yeah, what I'll say is I think we need to understand that, um, you know, people in organizations, people in teams, it's all, they're all relationships. And with any relationship, right, you have two individuals, multiple individuals working towards a common goal, because if you don't have that common goal, um, if if me and let's say a romantic partner do not have a shared goal, right? It's not going to work out. We have to be invested in that goal. But at the same time, does, does, that does not mean that we need to um, not have our own individual identities and personalities. So that's a tricky part. And if those things are, you know, in balance, then people are happy. And it's also okay for, for people's goals to change, you know, there's a lot of stigma around people, you know, leaving organizations. And just like in a relationship, sometimes people's circumstances, goals, dreams evolve, and it's okay to end these relationships. So that's, you know, my sort of end note on that. So, so Dave, uh, do you have any particular references anywhere that you would have people go look for more information about this kind of thing? That's a good question because I don't, I can't think of a. a, a a book that I would dive into and look at. What 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 I was struck is I think there's some really interesting points that we're touching on around like understanding roles and role clarity, understanding like the purpose. And I thought Nada's point to break away from looking at detailed roles and responsibility descriptions, which are valuable. I mean, we want to see something there to give some idea, but to really understand the problem that a role is trying to solve and what that sits in fits really well. Um, I also, just in the last part of the conversation, I just wanted to pick out, because I think this is something we see a lot as well, is the, uh, or we should see a lot more of, and isn't there, is that support for individual career development. I thought Nida's point about two things struck me. One is we better look after that personal 
career development. And, and I've just begun having conversations like that in organizations where that's on the table as part of a transformation initiative, which quite frankly was just not there before. Um, but then this, the second thing is recognizing that that career development might mean somebody leaves the organization and that might be the right thing to do and how, how that goes through. I thought that was an interesting point that you brought up. Yeah, sometimes it might just be the right thing to, uh, to part ways and, uh, and go in a different direction. And uh, yeah, uh, I, th I think uh, as, we, as we wrap this up, I think some of the places that I've seen the most interesting information on these kind of things is around uh, Google's Project Aristotle and the rework space. And, and uh, the, there's a book by Laszlo Bloch who was the people operations leader for uh, Google for a while called Work Rules that uh, I, I enjoyed reading it. It had a lot of very interesting information about uh, growing organizational culture as the organization scales and a lot of the things that they discovered as they started to uh, look, at, um, look at work in a different way, which was, uh, I thought, quite interesting. Uh, so, so if we if we sum this up in three things, I think we've gone to a journey here on our uh, getting great agile people. We've talked about role clarity, um, something some about investing and supporting, uh, and and something some stuff around the mindset the organization needs to develop. Uh, so, uh, what would your your last closing statement be, Nada? I would say is sometimes we overcomplicate things and and we don't model things into what goes on in real life, like true relationships and, um, you know, and the other part that I wanted to say is I totally would recommend, um, I have an interview on my YouTube channel with um, an amazing guy called Tim Clark. Um, he was a professor of entrepreneurship and I totally recommend the book Personal Business Model You in terms of how to model your career just like a business. I think that would be an interesting um, book to read for sure. Awesome. And Dave? I'm I'm not adding anything more. What I wanted to say, I think this has just been a, a great uh, conversation across uh, touching a number of different topics. So uh, what I will say is, as always, there's a bunch of notes uh, with the references that have been mentioned. You'll also find out a little bit about Nada and what she's up to in that. I highly recommend you check that out. Again, uh, thank you, Nada, for joining us. It's been a great conversation, Peter. Good to talk to you again, and uh, we'll talk soon. Awesome. And if anybody wants to reach out and contact us, we're at uh, feedback at uh, definitelymaybeagile.com, and that'll be in the show notes too. And uh, thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Definitely Maybe Agile, the podcast where your hosts, Peter Madison and David Sharrock, focus on the art and science of digital, agile, and DevOps at scale.